welcome to Boom Goes the Stigma. We're your hosts, Max, I'm Anna, and Hunter. Boom Goes the Stigma is a joint production of the Construction Suicide Prevention Partnership and our AmeriCorps members. We strive for a culture where mental health conversations are as routine as safety updates and the morning stretch and flex. Our country now loses more construction workers to suicide than to job site injuries or accidents. We hope to spark interesting dialogues. Highlight the challenges and tension of implementing suicide prevention programs. And shine a light on the multiple ways to save lives and improve mental health. We have divergent points of views. But a united goal. Building hope. If you need support or are feeling distressed, you can call or text 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, to speak with a trained crisis intervention specialist. You can also reach out to the Alcohol and Drug Helpline at 800-923-4357. Please visit the CSPP website to find out more about suicide in the construction industry, access resources, and learn more about our initiative. Information is included in the show notes. So we sat down with Mike for our third episode, and we had a really good conversation, particularly about mentorship and the apprentice program that he's helped put together, and uh, a lot about changing the culture in construction. And I just want to know what you all think about our conversation. What were some of the highlights? I really uh, enjoyed talking to Mike, especially like his uh, passion definitely comes through on this issue. And the experience that he's trying to, he's doing exactly what Morgan was talking about in our previous podcast is changing the culture. He was talking about his experience uh, entering the trades and, you know, he was a little older and some of the hazing and the mentality there, you know, he found disturbing and, you know, unpleasant. And rather than continue that, he's really set up a program at the Northwest Carpenters Institute that is changing the culture and like, it's amazing to see leadership and mentorship, like in practice, and um, he's committed to it. And it's cool to hear him talk about some of the results that they've gotten. Yeah, hearing him talk about the data and also, you know, just about yep. all the trainings that they put these apprentices through and how that's showing results. Um, just a super interesting conversation to hear about what they're doing. Yeah, it was really cool that he is tracking the data from these presentations. So there is feedback coming from the apprentices about the need for these mental health services and how they're responding to what's being delivered. And I think that is, you know, cutting edge. And I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Anna. I forgot about that piece. That was really good. Yeah, it's it's really amazing and unique. And uh, I found it really inspiring to hear from somebody like Mike talk about what things used to be like and the the direction we're trying to shift things. So we're really excited for you all to listen in on this conversation a bit more. And we hope you uh, enjoy this podcast episode. So thanks for being here. Thank you all for joining us today. We have a special guest on our podcast on Boom Goes the Stigma. 
We have Michael R. Hawes, Executive Director of Pacific Northwest Carpenters Institute in Portland, Oregon, and a, uh, a member of the CSPP, the Construction Suicide Prevention Partnership, that is. Over the last 20 years, Mr. Hawes has held leadership positions in the Pacific Northwest and Hawaii. Mr. Hawes is extremely passionate about the importance of teaching, mentoring, and training. His foremost goal is to help both apprentices and journey-level workers reach their full potential. Mr. Haas often reflects on his experience as a walk-on defensive back for the OSU football team. Again, I'll try not to give you a hard time about that (laughs) as a test to perseverance. The experience taught him the importance of teamwork and of, quote, never letting anyone put a limit on what you can accomplish, end quote. Mr. Haas is a longtime member of the United Brotherhood of Carpenters. His favorite inspirational quote is, quote, success is not counted by how high you have climbed, but by how many people you brought with you, end quote. And that's a quote from Dr. Wilbert Marion Rose. And Mr. Haas graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration from Oregon State University. So welcome on, Michael. We're, we're happy to have you. And uh, thanks for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hunter. And thank you for, you know, kind of covering a little bit of my my biography. I, it's kind of surreal when you look back now and I listen to that now that I'm, you know, in, in my 60s, right? It's covered a lot of territory over the years. And so I really appreciate the work that I've had the opportunity to do with uh, the Construction Suicide Prevention Partnership. I can't think of any work that would be more important than that work. And so Mm -hmm. I'm having a lot of basically enjoyment, to be honest with you, working with a group of people that are dedicated to curb something in our industry that is definitely a problem. So it's great to be here with you to have a conversation about that. So thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Like I said, we're really happy to have you on, really lucky to have you here. And yeah, I'm just curious if you can maybe build off of that and just tell us a little bit more about your role with CSPP and and kind of the work you do in mental health and really why you do it. Well, what's really kind of interesting to me about this relationship that we have here is this was actually first brought to my attention the problem with suicide and construction when we were putting together our positive job site culture training that we worked on back in 2016 and 17, right after I became director, we were, I really challenged our staff, especially our instructors to really, and this is part of our mission statement, right? Really build positive connections with our apprentices. And we all know from an educational standpoint that trust is one of the most important things that you can build with your students as an educator. And so I was hearing stories through these instructors that had built these relationships with our apprentices that we were still having some issues on our job sites with just unprofessionalism, right? The way sometimes that our apprentices were being talked to was not only was it unprofessional, but also there was a lot of hints of harassment and discrimination and things like that. And so we committed, you know, to putting together this two-hour positive job site culture training, which I can talk a little bit more about later, but in that preparation, Amber on our team brought me a slide that showed that suicide ranked number two nationally by occupation in construction. And I had already heard that here in the Northwest, it was number one. And so as I started to have 
these conversations with our apprentices. And I can think of a moment in time where when we brought that slide up, I asked, uh, we had about 100 apprentices in the room and I asked them, I said, how many of you have been touched by suicide? And like 80% of the hands went up. And I felt like this tidal wave hit me. I actually had to stop. I had to gather myself because I was overwhelmed with the amount of people that were being touched by suicide just in our community. And so we were aware of it. We didn't know really what to do with it or how to address it, but at least it was on the radar. And so you kind of fast forward a couple of years to 2019, and I was invited to attend a suicide summit that was sponsored by the Construction Financial Management Association. And that's where I was able to get introduced to uh, Judy, right, uh, with Lines for Life. And so from that group, actually, the, I think the kind of the concept as a follow up, up to that was the idea of getting a group of people together to really combat this. And so that's kind of where that whole conversation started was right then and there. And it's it's amazing to me that here just a few years later, we've come as far as we've had with uh, this collective collaborative effort with a group of amazingly talented, committed, passionate people that I will say probably at one point in time were touched by suicide mm -hmm. with someone very close to them that have a deep, deep commitment to making this industry, right, a better place for people so that they feel like they can come forward and ask for help and there's resources there. And, you know, the name of the show is Boom, There Goes a Stigma. Well, a lot of that, right, has to do with the education and breaking down of the stigma around mental health yeah, and absolutely. making people feel safe to have the conversation. So, yeah, uh, Mike, sorry, one of yeah. the reasons I really wanted you on is like, not only have you kind of witnessed these stories, you actually are one of the few partners that has data. You've done a survey of your team and it just kind of hits on the two points you were talking about in terms of who's been personally impacted by suicide and i you know i was looking at it but getting ready for this like you said it was like 70 percent you know answered that and then also the really big thing too is the stigma with 80 percent saying there is a stigma for talking about mental health so i just just having that data that you've done and been able to do it's been like really awesome so yeah that's it is helpful to be able to go back and look at that. I mean, the survey that I did was really very informal, but yet at the same time, since we have the data now from running the trainings, it's really, really good to have that to point to. So kind of kind of going back to this timeline a little bit. So that was in the fall of 19. And then in January, I had attended a what we have this International Foundation of Education and Benefits who puts trainings on for people that are associated with any kind of ERISA trust across the United States and Canada. And I had the opportunity to attend a mental health first aid class. And so again, a lot of yeah. reinforced talk about the importance of addressing this in our industry in that class, in that conversation. And what was really important, I think kind of a tipping point for us was that in the fall of 2020, I had an opportunity to talk to an apprentice that had a near miss with suicide in May of the previous year, Josue. And I remember him saying to me over and over again, I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And so unfortunately, kind of within a month of us having, you know, that, that conversation, we lost a, a, a new journey level a carpenter who had gone through the program. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that it really rocked our staff, the ones that knew him and worked with him. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what, we've, we've got to up our game, right? And so fortunately through the partnership and all that, I had found out about the QPR training and met like Steve, Steve Frost, right? With Howard S. Wright. And so we committed to run all our staff through the QPR training in December of that year, which was just kind of like I said, about a month after this conversation with Hostway, and then also losing a new uh, journey level carpenter. And so we started kind of kicking around the idea of, of Hostway telling his story, mm-hmm. right? What would that look like? And what would that feel like? Because one thing that we talked about earlier that I think is really important to note is that if you've been impacted by suicide in your circle, you have a completely different viewpoint of this problem, right? right? Because it's impacted you. And I'm like, you know what, if we really want to touch our apprentices and get people kind of engaged and involved in this, it would be ideal if they could hear from that they know, right? That's part of their, almost part of their extended family. And so in the fall, or excuse me, in the spring of that year, we worked with our in-house production person, Charlene, and she did a Zoom interview with Josue and his coordinator, and also the rep that got him his first job. And it was, it was amazing. It was really, really powerful to have him tell his story, right? And we've, we've been running a leadership class now for the last couple of years that we developed at the beginning of COVID because we needed a way to engage our late-term apprentices. And we knew at, the, at that point in time, our only option was, you know, to have something online like this. And so Charlene had a, a group of, you know, later-term apprentices, right? And she played that video for them just to kind of test it out. And I, I closed with this class on Fridays and typically we'll talk about leadership stuff, right? And uh, what I really wanted to do was talk to them about helping us create the survey, right? That we have for the apprentices that have gone through the training. And, and now the his video is kind of an anchor for us for, for the QPR training. And we ended up in a two and a half hour conversation on a Friday night with 20 apprentices. And the whole conversation was really around mental health. And I, I was finding like, I couldn't believe it. Right. And they, the thing that really struck me was like this generation of workers, they were so passionate and compassionate at the same time with each other and so supportive. Right. They were, mm-hmm. they were telling personal stories. They were putting their phone numbers in the chat. They were like, Hey, if you are, if you're ever struggling, you know, reach out to me, man, I, I'm here for you. And it was at that moment that I realized that to have Josue's story as kind of this standalone testimony wasn't enough. We had to somehow integrate that into some training, right, with some structure around it. So we went back to the drawing board. And again, with the help of of Judy and Cal Byers, who is well known across the nation as being an advocate for suicide prevention and has talked to thousands of construction people over the years, He, he helped and we even got Greg Borders to kind of help us tweak the video a little bit because it's a very important topic. 
you want to make sure that you have the right information in, but you don't want to put too much in. I mean, it's just, it's a very sensitive thing. And so with that, as we came out of that, we made the commitment to train all of our apprentices that we could in QPR. Yeah. And so that's where we got involved with Crystal. And that second quarter, basically a little over a year ago, we set up just a series of multiple classes every week. And we, in a, in a quarter, we, we managed to train about a thousand apprentices in a quarter for QPR. And now QPR is part of our onboarding for each and every apprentice that comes into the program. And I think that if anything is going to help to break down the stigma, it's the education piece, right? Of getting people familiar and comfortable with a tough topic that has been taboo and not really addressed or talked about for so long. But I'll tell you what, this generation of workers that we have in our industry right now, they can do it, right? Yes. They, they can do it. Uh, and I'm really, really proud proud of them and of that work. So, you know, here we are. We've, we ran 66 classes, 1,258 class completions about a year later. And to speak back to the video that Max talked about, I mean, we asked about stigma. We asked about if his testimony was making a difference. We asked about if they would be interested in, in more training and all those things. And of the 700 responses we got, I mean, we had a positive rating for pretty much every single of those questions of somewhere in the neighborhood of on the low end of 65% up to 90%, right? So. Yeah. I think I think we hit the mark with that, right? But again, like we said before, it's a step in the process. But the more people we train, the more conversations we have about it, the better the better we'll be, right? So, Mike, what what do you see as like you're talking about? Part of the bit with this podcast is you know I'm a lot older than Anna and I'm Hunter, but you're talking about this generation. When your own experience coming up, because you've worked in the industry as carpenter, like, was there something terrible or something concerning that was happening when you were doing it? Or what difference do you see? Or how how do you compare those two? Like, you know, in terms of just like your own, did you get into this? Because a lot of times people like say, well, I had it tough. That's the way it's supposed to be. But it's like, well, you've obviously taken, I think, a wiser approach of like, oh, how can we make this better? Yeah, you know, I think that's that that's a really great question. And, and I think we've been looking at an industry that, you know, for years was was male dominated, for example. Right. And so a, a lot of like just kind of and I'm not going to necessarily say that people intended this way, but a lot of rough talk, a lot of like kind of like this idea of hazing and toughening people up as part of onboarding them into the industry. Right you kind of became part of the culture for, for a long time. And, and I even remember, you know, situations as apprentices, right. As an apprentice. And it wasn't, you know, I, I came into the carpenter's apprenticeship program at 27 years old, right. I'd been to college. I'd been a logger. I'd been a rancher. I'd been a farmer. I'd been a cowboy. Right. I mean, I had a lot of experiences. Plus I had four years of experience in construction and some people would talk to you like, you know, and I'd be like, kind of like, what the hell a little bit, right? You know, I mean, aren't we supposed to be a, a team out here and working together to get this project done? So were the, there were things that I noticed back in the day that conversations went on and that type of stuff. It bothered me then. 
but I, I never felt like I was in a place or had a platform before where I could really necessarily do anything about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you fast forward 30 years, right. And we have, we have, which is good. We have a different approach. Now we're becoming more inclusive. We're becoming more diverse. We're bringing more people into the trades now that yeah. didn't have any exposure right to the trades. They didn't grow up in construction families. And so I'm looking at it now from, from an education standpoint, as the director here saying, Hey, the last thing we want to do is lose apprentices, not because of the early wake-ups, not because of the physicalness of the work, not because of the, of the rain and the weather and stuff like that, but to lose an apprentice because of the culture, yeah. To me, is it's it's a travesty, right? So I think, and that's that, something you can control exactly. and actually, you know, do, do something yeah. about. That's really right. So that's like, where the the idea and the concept of the positive job site culture training that we've been running really yeah. since since 2017 came. And there's no doubt that mental health, right? And some if someone feels safe at work, if they feel like they're surrounded by a group of people that, that care about them, that are investing in them from professionally, they want them to learn and grow and all that. That's important because the statistics tell us, right, that there are people around us that are suffering in silence from uh, anxiety, from depression, from different things. And if they're in an environment where the culture isn't supportive to kind of start out with, then whatever they're going through is only going to make it worse for them. So there's a, I think there's a conversation in here just about worker wellness in general. That really makes a lot of sense when you talk about the idea and the concept of, of a positive job site culture and a culture that's supportive. And now a culture where people feel like they can come and ask for help, right? When they're doing. Ooh. I think we might have lost them. Mike, you still there? Hey friends, post-commentary hunter here. You may have discovered that our guest dropped out suddenly. It's our first tech hiccup. You know, when you record a podcast over Zoom, especially as many times as we have, it's bound to happen. But fortunately, Mike was able to hop back on pretty quickly. And I uh, just want to say thanks for being here. Let's hop back in. He's back. <laughs> That be you or what happened? Did I, did I, did I break it? <laughs> you didn't break it. We, you, you, yeah. You gave us our first technical, real technical glitch. So it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to get at is um, when I visited your program, it was amazing to see people who were construction supervisors working full time jobs. And then coming in to teach classes, like just when you were giving me a tour when I did the presentation there. And it really is like you have created like a culture within that group of giving back. And it isn't just, you know, on suicide and mental health. It's actually a demonstration of like, hey, this is how you care. This is how you give back. And that's something that I think is really exciting about working in the construction industry with you and seeing like the difference in, you know, converting talk into action. Cause I feel like a lot of times it's, a, you have to demonstrate that ability. And it was just stunning to visit the site and see like the active learning going on and the supportiveness that it isn't just a, a two hour leadership training. It's something that's embedded in the culture. And I think that speaks to like your work. 
Max, I'm really, really glad that you pointed out that observation because in, in our in our mission statement and core values, it this whole idea and concept about you know building these positive connections with our students and creating this atmosphere where it feels professional, it feels supported. You know, uh, we talk a lot about, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term the growth mindset, uh, Carol Dweck, right? So I was introduced to that. I used that when I did reading tutoring with young kids. It was all about the growth mindset. So it's awesome to see that it's also like grown into that field. That's awesome. Yeah, I, f- I found out of that. I think I mentioned before that my wife, St. Saint Stephanie, is a first grade teacher and she's been on it, you know, teaching for like 25 years. And it was right when we came back from Hawaii that they had their big kickoff at the beginning of the year. And they they started talking about the growth mindset. And I'm like, wow, what a great application for, for adult learners. Because we have so many apprentices in our program that will say things like, oh man, I, I in high school or whatever, I really sucked at math. I was never good at math. And I this is going to be so hard for me. And I'm like, you know what? It With the growth mindset, it's like, all right. So you're th- that coach the most important coach in your head is, is the coach in your head, right? And if you commit to something already negatively, you're you're never going to get there. So let's work on flipping that dial and let's learn about the brain and how the neurons are connected and how our brain is a muscle and how the harder something is for us. It just means that we're learning, right? And we all learn at a different pace. And so the important thing is, is we keep on pushing forward, right? So we kind of started really integrating a lot of those, those growth mindset concepts and coaching philosophies into our program and our, our apprentices, they, they love it, right? Some of them even go home and, and have the conversations with their kids, right? About having a growth mindset. So it's, I mean, it's, it's huge. And I like what you're talking about in terms of adults applying it, because that's what, like, when I worked with really little kids, they would have that mindset. Oh, I can't read. This is too hard. And it's like, well, have you told stories? You know, you just try to reframe it. And um, I could probably benefit from that. And when it comes to learning how to build something, <laughs> that would be, I should you're challenge my, yeah. to a birdhouse. <laughs> you, you got, when you're in that moment and you're in a lot of the learning that we do is kinesthetics, right? So when you're in that moment, you have to be focused on what it is that you're doing with your tools, with your hands, with everything. And you can't, you, you don't have room for that voice in, in the back of your head that's saying, don't screw this up or, you know, whatever it is, right? You need to have a really positive, open mind uh, towards learning. So that's that to me, that kind of dovetails into that conversation that you're talking about the culture here, right? Because to me, in any organization, you, you have to start with culture if you're going to get to where it is that you want to get to. And so we worked hard at that here at PNCI and our our apprentices have responded really, really well to that from a learning standpoint. Yeah. I just find this conversation so just great in the sense that like, especially as you were speaking earlier about how it, it appears like some of these trainings, the question, persuade, refer trainings that you've done, it has really resonated with people and had an impact and I think we've spent, yeah, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about like the why and the the obvious, you know, why this is essential, important, a good thing that we're doing because of the fact that, you know, suicide is is such a, a, a big challenge. And I'm just wondering, you know, like in the work that you do, what 
are some of those other challenges in implementing these kinds of programs uh, in offering these trainings? Are there any major barriers in the way? And I guess, you know, do you have an idea kind of how to combat some of these these challenges that are there if there are challenges there? Well, I think the challenge is always to get more people exposed and more people trained, right? And that's kind of what we ran into as we've set up our continue on the continuing education side. We've been running classes now like every every month, right? On the second Wednesday. And we struggle sometimes to get those classes filled up to the point where we can actually run them. So for us, that's definitely a challenge is how do you, how do you, once you kind of reach the 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 first wave of people, right? Like obviously we've got a controlled audience with the apprentices, right? We've got a controlled audience. So now how do we reach the the next wave of the journey level worker out there, right? That's that's working 40, 50 hours a week, that's got a family to take care of, that's got a lot of other responsibilities. Right. How do we how do we catch them in the right moment to get them to spend a couple hours with us on a Wednesday night? Well, so that, that's for sure. What, right. Mm-hmm. What I yeah. like what you're doing, Mike, though, uh, is you're kind of growing different applications of suicide prevention because I, you know, when you're talking about some of the challenges of engaging people like lines for life, lots of organizations have problems. And one of the reasons that we've started doing the opiate training is not only is that a huge problem within the industry, but it's another way of getting interest into the whole total worker health, healthy mindset, positive job culture, that all of that stuff that you do is suicide prevention, even if you're not just saying, you know, depression, anxiety, every, you know, because those are obviously huge things, but like to keep expanding the lens is something that I feel on our end as people providing the services. Yeah. Suicide prevention doesn't have to be 45 minutes. It could be five minutes of like, Hey, you're already doing it. Can't you see? And then just being explicit about it. So it's interesting that you talk about that challenge. Like, especially once you train up everybody, like how do you keep them coming back? Right. Right. Yep. So I'm going to put Anna on the spot because she is actually, yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I'm kind of curious too, because you talk a lot about, you know, you have the apprentices for a certain amount of time, right? Before they graduate and you really take that time to really work with them and instill these sort of values, um, show them the culture that you want to promote, give them this training so that they can help others. I'm wondering if you've ever kept in contact with any apprentices, you know, after they've gone through the program, if you've ever heard any positive stories or have heard, you know, if they they felt like that was valuable information that they continue to spread it maybe, or if you have any sort of stories like that or any anecdotal sort of things that have come up. Yes, we we do stay in touch with our apprentices. And a lot of them, when they graduate, they will write little notes to us, right? A lot of times in the leadership class that we're in, they'll, if they're, if they're right there and they're getting ready to journey out, a lot of times they'll just kind of, without prompting, say some of the things that, that I've heard from them, you know, from conversations that speak specifically to the growth mindset, right? From those, but we've had a lot of apprentices that have come in the program that basically kind of were lost and really didn't have any financial stability. Then, you know, and some of them even said, I didn't even think I could do this work, right? And I remember specifically a conversation that we had with one of our female apprentices that, that had graduated. She said, you know, 
I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it or not in this industry. She goes, but you know, with the, with the instructors, with the positive, you know, coaching with the, with you, you know, continually to, to, you know, to reach out and to make sure that we've got the supports that we need. She's like, here I am right. Four years later. And so I will tell you when we, we have an, what we call our end of the year industry outreach completion ceremony. And we set up a we set up a stage and we give our apprentices what looks very much like a like a diploma that has their completion certificate and our our, our mission statement and core values in it. And I get to stand on the side of the stage and I get a I get to greet them as they come off the stage, right? And every single one of them have a smile on their face the size of the state of Texas, and you can tell that they're filled with pride from being able to complete. So, you know, like we don't get a lot of those, you know, stories, but we know from the way that our apprentices and some of them, right, they, they, they immediately come up and say, hey, I want to teach here. And we have some apprentices in our program uh, that have particular expertise in certain areas, whether it's layout. We've got a couple of apprentices that are later term, right, that are helping us out as uh, certified welding instructors, a couple of female apprentices. So I think anytime somebody comes up and says, I want to be part of this, it's a good testament that you're you're doing some things right. So I, I, I can probably pull some of those things up if you wanted me to share them with you, but off the top of my head, we we have a lot of apprentices that are very very grateful for the opportunity and we we try to put what i tell them all the time is we're going to try to put you in a position to be successful right we can't we can't fix what we can't see so if you're struggling communication is the key but really with all that said from day one they're doing the work right they're the ones that are coming to class they're the ones that are working hard for our contractors out on the job sites they're the ones that are you know that are putting the work in and so for an apprentice to make it to a four through a four-year program is a feat in its own and i'm proud to say for the last five years or so six years we've been graduating anywhere between 200 and 250 apprentices every year there's a lot of satisfaction for us on this side in watching them learn and grow and you really do it's amazing. Even those that come to us in their in their later 20s, early 30s, you watch a complete transformation over four years. And the thing that's really great is we put a lot of emphasis on leadership development, right? On developing good communication skills, on developing leadership skills. And so a lot of our apprentices, as they turn out, they're already stepping right into foreman and, and leadership positions, right? And we need them to, right? Because of the, the max mass exodus of the boomers. So I, I really like what you said. Like, if we can't see it, we can't fix it. And I think just along those lines, if we don't talk about it, like we don't know that it's, it's happening. Yeah. And I just think that's, and it is really cool that you get to uh, see the growth over, you know, four years of, of people. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And I mean, how you, how you talk about it is so important. One of my favorite historians always kind of goes back on this language piece, you know, I mean, I've, I've always thought like stories are so impactful. And so, you know, understanding that is, is really, really important. And when we can share these stories in a way that like everybody can understand it, it, it helps spread the message and communicate that like, 
we're doing something about this. This is a this is something that we're trying to overcome and talk about and break boom up the stigma. Like, cause I mean, that's just it. We want to give that message that like, Hey, this is something that should be included in our conversations on a daily basis. You know, like it's okay to not be okay. And I think that's what, you know, that's one of our, obviously our main theme here on this podcast and in this project is just trying to illustrate that breaking down the stigma in itself what will can serve a huge impact as we you know as you mentioned this newer generation younger generation newer generation that is capable of so much and is so resilient that you know we all together can kind of break that mold and mm-hmm. and transform society that way and how we talk about it right. so yeah I really appreciate that, Hunter, and I. I really want to take an opportunity to give a, sh- a shout out to our staff, right? Because they they had gone through the QPR training in December, and for some of them, it was tough, right? And here they are, a couple months later, right? And now we're running all our apprentices through QPR training, mm-hmm. and they're getting in these new situations and having questions asked and and all that kind of it. For some of them, it's like they were they were nervous about that. What if I don't know what to say and I and I don't say the right thing? And what am I supposed to do? And it was like, hey, we've got we've got you right. The biggest thing is, is that to have this environment where someone feels comfortable enough to, to say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm asked for ask for help. Right. And for them to be able to identify that. And then, you know, immediately the coordinator gets gets notified, right? We've got the EAP services now that I know a lot of our members are taking advantage of. And so you you really truly have to create a community. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to make sure that from a leadership standpoint, that your staff is trained, right? That your staff is comfortable with what's going to come because it's, it's tough, right? When you're in that mode of a potential crisis, right? But yeah, I think our, our staff did a, has done a great job, right, with being able to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have it on on all levels, and yeah, that's one of the things I know that uh, Anna and I stress in our trainings all the time too. Is like, you know, especially when we talk about the persuade portion of QPR, it's it's really important that we emphasize that like you're not alone in this. Like, it's obviously mm-hmm. daunting to try to persuade someone to 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 continue living and you shouldn't that we try to make the expectation clear that like you're this is not you alone doing this there's a community yeah. there's there's resources if you're in a company we've got a plan in place you know we've got people you go to we've got a crisis line that you call so on and so forth so yeah having all those it, it's just so important having all those pieces in place ahead of time because you know it's not a matter of of if really it's a matter of when when is it mm-hmm. gonna come time that we meet with somebody that's that's distressed and going through a really tough time so yeah that's great for sure well i always think mike that you could be the your program is like it's just like i said before putting action instead of just words and i think that's something that has been really fun working with the CSPP, you know, when I came on in terms of all these ideas and like having deliverables. And it's also an awesome opportunity that the construction industry knows how to gather people. And that tends to be one of the struggles of nonprofits is getting people together to have the ability to plug in and meet 
people where they are, where we don't have to do the coordination is just huge. And I just like personally really appreciated going out and seeing uh, the apprentice program in action and have an opportunity to speak there. Uh, it was really cool because it is an amazing shop. And I just think like, like as someone who worked with at-risk kids in the past, there are so many different pathways to success. And I just think a lot of people benefit from just being able to demonstrate it and do something. And it's just really cool to see it in action. So I just, you know, thank you. And I'm hoping that we can keep growing it and using, you know, your apprentice program to test new ideas for you because uh, it's, you've just been a great partner. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. I've learned and grown a lot, right, through the help and support of Lines for Life. I cannot say enough about your organization. I had a chance to take a tour last week when I was down there. I had no idea that you were as big as you were, right, or are, <laughs> I should say, and that you handle the amount of calls that you do on an annual basis and that, you know, this, this whole kind of like team chat one thing what, what you know came out of for the nation right comes out of your guys office so uh, or your team so your your innovation your passion is remarkable and i i feel so much better than i used to about this i lost a really really close friend who i met through um his brother and i went to college together but we did construction together right too and i remember distinctly getting the phone call and i was one of the last people that actually talked to him and that happened like back in about 2007 right so uh, you know we've had foremen right that have been on the call before and i think of one that you know i asked him i said hey we're looking for maybe some things we can share with some other folks to kind of help promote this message and he had been touched twice by by suicide and he, he said i feel empowered now mm -hmm. like i have tools that i didn't have before to have the conversations to ask the tough questions and that that's something that i think is so important for everyone regardless of whether they've been touched by it or not is to feel like they've got the tools and they can identify and they can help someone get the help that they need. And to me, that's that's the beauty of this whole conversation, right? Is to know that we've got a group of committed, talented people th through Lines for Life, through CSPP, and we're making a difference out there. And I'm I'm so proud, right, on a personal level to be part of this, this conversation, right, and part of this effort, but obviously super, super proud of PNCI and the support of our of our trustees and the, the contractors that work with our apprentices right in the community that we we built because we do have a very very unique situation in that i think that we do have a, a really really strong culture and the saying goes right it takes a village to get that done and our partnership with you wines for life right and our partnership with cspp you're now like i feel like you're part of our family here and that you're always like a phone call a text an email away to provide the support that we need to be able to take care of our of our ohana of our family here at pnci and we really appreciate you so this has been a, an amazing opportunity so thank you for having me on 
and hopefully you'll have something here that you can work with a little bit. Man, I could just box what you just said. <laughs> that was, uh, like, really, thank you. Seriously, I yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us and, and engaging in this, I feel like, a really rich conversation. Really excited. Gives me a lot of hope about the world, as crazy as it may seem at times. And uh, uh-huh. by the time we roll this podcast out, 988 will launch. So it's exciting oh, to great. see to see the growth that you mentioned with, with Lines for Life and kind of just a lot of the prioritization that's being done about behavioral health, mental health. Um, so excited to see where that leads us. So again, thank you for, for being on thank here. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you so much. My pleasure. Appreciate you guys so much and the work that you do. Boom Goes the Stigma is produced by Max Margolis, Anna Klein, Crystal Larson, and Hunter Moen. Our hosts are Max Margolis, Anna Klein, and Hunter Moen. Our audio engineer is Hunter Moen. Show notes are written by Crystal Larson. Big thanks to Pixabay for free downloadable music. Our graphic designers are Max Margolis and Hunter Moen. Show notes and links for all of our episodes can be found on the CSPP website at www.suicide-stops-here.org. And a big thanks to our guest today. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time and take care. Take care.